Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We're glad you're listening in today. Stay tuned for today's message. Enjoy, and God bless. Father, we thank you. We come to you today, Lord God. I come to you, Lord God, humbling myself, Lord, and asking you to speak through me today. Lord God, we need a word from you. We need instruction, Lord God. We need comfort through your perspective to us, Lord God. We need the change, Lord God, how we view and analyze life, Lord. We need your, your way of seeing and looking and believing, Lord God. Have your way in my life and my heart, Lord God. Have your way in my heart and my tongue, Lord. I yield myself to you. Lord God, I don't know. Use me. These are your people, Lord God. You know exactly what they need. And so I give you the praise for speaking in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, today's lesson is titled The Call of the Saints. God has a great call on your life, saints. Amen. And everybody has a part to play in this call. He's given us as a church the great commission to fulfill. Amen. And we need him to do it. Uh, it's just not my job to fulfill the great commission. But it's our job as a whole to operate and do our part to fulfill the great commission. Jesus told us to go, in, go into all the world and make disciples. But before we can make a disciple, we need to become one. Amen? It's so imperative that you become a disciple before you start making one. Amen? Or we are making, create, and impart into someone that God didn't give us the image to do because God needs to train us, correct us, instruct us in the things of God, and then we can transfer that life to someone else. But if we haven't become a disciple ourselves, then we have nothing to transfer that's from God. And the reality is you'll be transferring something to someone else, whether you know it or not. Amen. You will be influencing another life, whether you know it or not. Amen. He called us to make disciples. Amen. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you to do. Amen. So what are we supposed to transfer to an individual? What he has commanded us to do. Amen? And it's very important that we start obeying the Lord and become a disciple ourselves so we have something to transfer. Amen? He said, whatever I told you to do, observe my teachings, that's what we ought to teach. Amen? Before, all right, take the lead is the first point. <clears throat> Take the lead. Ephesians 4 verse 1 says, therefore, in the Amplified, therefore, the prison of the Lord appeals to and begs you to walk, lead a life worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called. With behavior that is a credit to the summons of God's service. I believe all Christians 
should lead and excel in every area that we do. In all walks of life, we should excel. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit. Most of us, to be honest with you, we need to be trained. If we're going to lead something, that means we're proficient in something. That means we have learned and we have excelled in it. That means we can do it easily if we are ought to lead. Amen? And Paul instructs us here to say, he says, lead a life worthy of your calling. When we hear the word calling, a lot of times we interpret it as something spiritual in the church context. But I believe that God calls us to conquer and excel in the workplace, at home, before we can even look to excel in anything in the church. I believe God's calling on our life extends to every point of relationship in our lives. God's calling on our life extends to the husband, to his wife, from the wife to his husband, to the, son, to the father, to his son, to, from the co-workers. Amen. Our calling extends to every point of relationship in our lives, not just in the church. Amen. First. We only spend so much time here. Amen. <laughs> because the reality is we spend more time with people at work than we do with people at church. They see more of your life than I do. Amen. That means if someone sees your life, that means you're preaching something to them. You're ministering a message to them. Amen. That's so powerful. You can minister a message to an individual and teach someone something without even saying nothing. answer the call. Not saying we shouldn't answer the call in the church. Please don't misunderstand me. Amen. Not saying we, we look, we need you in the church. Amen. We need you in the church. Uh, please don't misinterpret that. Amen. God needs you in the church. Matthew 22 verse 14 says, for many are called, but few are chosen. <clears throat> many are called, but few are chosen. I believe there are many reasons why people are not chosen. But these are the two main reasons I believe. One, they don't accept the call. Or they don't intend to excel at it. And I'm going to give you a tip about your calling. It will always seem bigger to you. And this is normal. Amen. You will feel inadequate. That is all that is that is like one of the indicators that you should go by. If you feel inadequate, if you feel like you you insufficient for this call. That is normal. I believe God do it on purpose. Why? So you can trust, depend and rely on him to do it through you. Amen. Because what happens is we, we do a lot of learning and growing and I, and I love learning and equipping and I, I'm doing I'm in a very uh, I'm in a season of uh, extreme growth in a new area of learning and, and, and excelling in what God has called me to do. Amen. Um, but whenever you feel like you got it, God will humble you. 
to get you in the most effective position for him to use you. When you're humble, you're in the most effective position for God to use you. Amen. And I believe as Christians, we have to have this mindset that God wants us to excel at what he's called us to do. I mean, think about it. Who needs common? And I, I don't, I'm not trying to be mean, amen? But who needs common? We're in a season where God is taking off of mediocrity. mediocrity. He is taking those clothes off. We're in that season where, where Jesus is perfecting us. God has called us to stand out in the presence of all. Not by drawing attention to ourselves, but doing above average work in every area. Who needs average? Think about that. Do you want the average surgeon working on you? Do you want the average lawyer defending you in the court? No, I want one that wins every time. I want to see the success rate. Amen. God has called us to be excellent. Proficient. Amen. If I, if I, I got to have the best. I don't need my car to work half the time. Amen. I don't need my wife's. I don't most definitely don't need my wife's car working half the time. Amen. But God has called us to come up. Amen. Average doesn't get you a platform to glorify God. Average doesn't get you a Nobel Peace Prize. God has given all Christians the ability to lead in every category. I believe if God has called you to it, you must trust him to make you excellent at it. Amen? There's a reason why everybody don't win championships. Amen? I didn't say beat yourself up because you ain't perfect at at it. I said trust him to do it. That's a big difference. That's a big difference. Again, I said, I didn't say that all that so you can beat yourself up because you ain't perfect. But I said, look to him to help you. Amen? So you can excel at it. Many desire to experience what it means. They, they, they desire to experience what it means to win a championship. Amen? If you didn't know in the world of sports and basketball, the Golden State Warriors have just won a championship here in June. And they was on TV, and you see them, ah, they popping them wine bottles, and they celebrating, yeah, yeah. And they acting like little kids on live TV. And I don't blame them, amen. But many want to experience what, what does that feels like? What does it feel like to win a championship? What it feels like to become first place at something? What does it feel like to celebrate from the fruits of your labor? They want the accolades. Many want the accolades. Many want the attention. Many want the exaltation. You're the best. But many lack the desire. The time spent in practice reveals the motives of the individual. In practice, all right, is our next point. If you want to lead a life, we're talking about your call, right? If you want to lead a life that's worthy of your calling, 
practice has to be a part of that process. When you say yes to your will, Lord, yes to your way, you're also saying yes to the process. In practice, the desire to do what's required, whether people are watching or not, is worked into your lifestyle. Let me say that again. In practice, the desire to do what's required, whether people are watching or not, is worked into your lifestyle. Practice is to learn the little things to the degree that when it's time to implement, you don't have to remember. It becomes instant. It becomes common. It becomes who you are. Amen. Mark 4, verse 22 through 23 says, For there is nothing hidden which would not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Many times we hear this reverse in a lot of cases in a negative context. Well, you're doing dirt in the dark, it's going to come to light. But a lot of but we can relate that to in the terms of practice. Practice represents the secret. Jesus always honored what you do in the secret. He said, you seek me in the secret, I'll reward you in the open. You ask me in the secret place, I'll give it to you in front of everybody. Amen. So what's the secret place? The secret place is your practice time. If you've ever been in a practice arena or a practice environment, there is no one else around. These are the private times away from the glamour and the lights where the coach has a chance to take away and add what's needed to your life. And let me get into this. This is crucial. Let me get into this. Thank you, Lord. There is a strong cry for mentorship in the earth right now especially in the United States, and, and we, it's a strong desire for someone, it's a strong desire for uh, excellence. It's a strong desire that people be mentored. And what's so sad is, I mean, come on, think about it. Who heard of a life coach 30 years ago? And it's a viable career today. You can go to school to be a life coach. Why is that? I believe it's a cry for people to be discipled. But where are the ones that's supposed to be the discipling? Who's supposed to do the, do the discipling? It's a strong cry for people to be mentored. Won't you? Will you teach me? Would you teach me? Would you show me? Companies are paying millions of dollars for people to come in and, and partner with someone who know what they're doing so they can transfer a lifestyle to them because it's more than just about reading and being in the being in school in front of uh, in front of a professor people want to be taught they want to know how it's a strong strong desire for people to know amen they want to know why so we can have excellence in our lifestyle people want to they got a, a desire for performance. Amen. And I believe that we lack that in the church. There is no, there, there isn't a system where another individual come along to the side of someone else and help them make their next choice. 
If you're going to be great at something, I believe you need someone to show you and take you there. You ask anybody who is great at anything, they had someone there to show them how. They had someone there along the side, their next choice. Amen. And I believe the new, the upcoming generation, they're willing to listen. They're willing to follow. It's a strong desire. The Holy Spirit has a curriculum for you. John 14, verse 26 says in the Amplified, but the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name and my place to represent me, act on my behalf. He will teach you all things and he will cause you to recall, will remind you of and bring to your remembrance everything that I have told you. All right, I'm building my case. The Holy Spirit act instead of Jesus. We are not supposed to be learning life lessons on our own. We are not supposed to learn by trial and error. Think about it. I don't want my son to learn by trial and error. I don't want my son to learn what fire is by touching it, right? I don't want my son to learn what it means to smoke. By trying it? Amen? I want to teach him. I want to show him how. Trial and error isn't the best way to learn. It is a way that you can learn, but it's not the best way. The Holy Spirit is in our life to implement curriculum, to implement teachings. And you have a curriculum designed specifically for your life. One method of teaching that the Holy Spirit uses is drill in the practicing context. Have you ever been in a practice, uh, basketball practice, football practice, any type of training, any type of uh, the military do it? As soon as, soon as you say you want to go to the military, they say, okay, it's time to, what, tear you down so we can build you back up, right? What, and where they send you? Boot camp. Boot camp. And what we do in boot camp, one of the main methods of teaching in boot camp or any type of training, any type of practicing is drills. You know, many times <laughs> individuals can't stand to practice because of the drills. What is the drills? <clears throat> Let me read the definition of a drill. To fix something in your mind or habit pattern by repetitive, repetitive instruction to impart or communicate repetition. Drill can only be done in practice. Amen. And one of the first habits that he will impart to you, he will cause you to be humble. Amen. That's, that's the first that's the first one that the Holy Spirit going to start working on you. In. And many times we want to skip over that one real quick. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit waiting on you to do it again. Just see, the Holy Spirit don't work like us. We be trying to run from that being humble. And he said he don't care. Do it again. He don't care. Do it. But, Lord, don't you know what they did? Go forgive them again. But, Lord, don't you know? Forgive them again. Go buy them breakfast. Go bless them. Go do good. Do it again. He don't care how many times you cry. 
He waiting, he waiting to, he waiting to see you. Are you gonna do it again? Why he's trying to implement in your behavior pattern something that needs to be instinct in the kingdom of God. He is trying to impart to you something that needs to be common. Amen. Something that needs to be common. So guess what he's gonna do? If you're gonna go to him, he's gonna say, do it again. Forgive him again. But, Lord, I ain't even do nothing this time, Lord. I ain't even say nothing this time. Just go say you sorry. Get on there and do it again. He said, guess what another drill in, in, in being humble? Shut up. Don't say nothing. Y'all know what I'm telling you. Y'all know what I'm talking about. He's like, but, Lord, didn't I say shut up? That's my drill instructor. <laughs> Your voice might be a little different. Amen. But he knows what to say to get my attention. But all right, Lord, so you got to learn how to say, boy, I'm telling you, the Lord, you, you got to not care about being right. You don't have to let everybody know you're right. Ooh, this is another good one that the Lord will do, that the Holy Spirit will do. He'll make you look like you wrong. <laughs> He'll make you look like you wrong. I'm telling you, you have to be willing to look stupid for the Lord. Man, this is just the first drill. There are many other lessons that he will teach you. Amen. But you got to get this one so you can get the next one. No, I want to jump to preaching. He said, but you don't even know how to love your wife. Do it again. But I want to go to school and be a preacher. No, you need to go to school and be a husband. No, you need to go to school and be a father to your kids. No, you need to go to school and love your boss. And I said, oh, Lord Jesus, teach me this. Because guess what? Either you humble yourself or you're going to get humbled. The Lord going to get his will done, amen? He's going to get his will done one way or another. <laughs> amen? Either he get it done through you just going ahead and accepting it and saying, okay, Lord, I'll take it, I'll take it. Or you get it done the hard way. You bust your head, you find your face first, first in the dirt. How did I get here? Amen? And then he can teach you then, are you ready now? Do it again. Amen? And he takes you through those drills. And many people want another life outside of this. They make Christian, the Christian life something else other than this. So they, wanna, they want everything else. No, but look at this is what I do. Look at this is what I do. Look at, I do this good. I do that good. But let's, let's see if you humble. He's going to take you through that drill. Because verse 3 says <clears throat> in Ephesians, after he tell us to live a life, lead a life that's worthy of our calling, he instructs us here. Verse 2, I'm sorry. Living as become you with complete lowliness of mind, Humility and meekness, 
unselfishness, gentleness, mildness with patience, bearing one another. And another drill that's a part of your curriculum that the Holy Spirit will implement, can I say practice? I mean, I believe we got three arenas of practice, three areas of practice that the Lord, arenas that we are, the Holy Spirit is working on us and instilling us habits that need to come out normal and naturally without us having to recall if I should be humble. He don't want you to think about if you should be humble. He don't want you to think about if you should love, if you should forgive. These are qualities that need to be instinctive in the kingdom of God. It need to be something that you just do. Why? Because this is who you are. Not something you try to do. If we're trying, we ain't, we ain't spent time practicing. And the, most, the three areas of practice I believe the Lord have in all of our lives, especially as adults, we have the arena of the workplace, the arena of our home, and at the church. And at the church. Amen. And one another part of your curriculum is the love one another drill. How many of y'all been through that one? The Lord, you go to the Lord and say, you know, Lord, don't you see what they said to me? Don't you see how they, they, they're just mean, Lord. And Jesus tells you to go bless them. Be good. Don't yell back. But, but Lord, he said, remember how I've done you? Remember how I've been patient for you, with you all these years? Remember? And we say, do it again. But I don't want to do it again. We'll send you through that drill. And I used to hate it when coach used to tell us how many suicides we was going to do before practice. I wish that he just never told me. You feel me? And before, oh, we got 18 suicides to do. I wish he would have just pulled it on me in the middle of it, you know? Because I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm already doing them, you know? Let me get one more. Let me, he could at least did us like that. You know, we almost threw it. He said, come on, let me get one more. And I would have, you know, but 18 right off the bat. Come on, coach. And he over there just sitting, he had like, he don't even care. Just again, again, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. And he over there just act like he don't even care. But what is he, what, what is he doing? He is instilling in us something that's supposed to be normal when it's time to play. We shouldn't be thinking about running when it's time to play. It's something that needs to be instinctive. It's something that needs to be common. Amen? And coach used to do it, man. And, and, and then we, in practice, is where it's okay to mess up. This is what's so wonderful about practice. It's okay to get it wrong as long as you're willing to get it right. You know what I'm saying? They said practice makes perfect, but the reality is it's perfect practice that makes perfect. You got to, Because you can practice doing something the wrong way. And many of us, this is the most, even more humbling process, is when you've been doing something for years and then you come to the Lord and he, you find out, oh, you wrong. What? What? I've been doing this 15 years, Lord. 
oh, you wrong. And he, and he said in a way, you know, like he don't even care. Like, okay, this the right way. Do it. But my arm don't be right. Okay, let me show you how. And that's why I think we need disciples. We need people who've been trained, who've been discipled by the Lord, because it has it, it shortened our learning curve if someone is there and they already been through these same processes that we are going through right now. That's why I honor an individual who has been through the, the trial, been through the test, been through the struggles, and Jesus have brought them out of it, and, it, and they have something in them that I need. Amen. That's why it's important that we become quality in the kingdom of God. We must become quality. Amen. We must become, you know, good for God to say, okay, you're worth replicating. Well, God said, all right, yeah, I need a couple more of you. Come on, let me, let me send somebody. Amen. We need to become quality. Because it's time out to be learning something for years, and we're wrong, amen, because God does not want us to reproduce junk. He don't want us to reproduce someone that looks to us as an example and is wrong. This is why we cannot run from the drill. We cannot run from the test. Remember when we won that championship? Oh, coach, I love you. I, man, in practice, I hated coach. <laughs> you win a championship or something? Oh, I love you, coach. Oh, I love you. Why? Because practice do not supposed to feel good. Amen, because the championship don't pay off. It's going to pay off. Just do it again. Just do it again. Amen. Boy, I tell you, and then, you, you know, you, you go through that with your coach. You go through that with somebody who already been through it. You trust that they know what they're doing. Amen. So you're willing, I think it's you're willing to just do what they say. And it, it, I'm telling you, it shortens the learning curve when you have someone there that already walked that path. Amen? Remember the purpose? Amen. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 4, verse 3. Make every effort. Keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you've been called, one glorious hope for the future. And one thing that we're going to have to fight is we're going to have to fight the drill of loving somebody. And this is all of us. This is all of us. The Lord will always put somebody in your life. Well, hold on. He will always put a Judas in your life. If Jesus had a Judas, you might as well accept me. You understand? They ain't going to love you back. 
Ain't nothing they can give you. And Jesus gonna want you to love them sacrificially. Intercede for them. Pray for them. Be there for them. Amen. The Bible says make allowances for each other's faults. That means give me a little room to mess up. Amen. And the room that we should give is the person that's done you wrong. We always a good advocate for our own, you know? Like I just said, give me a little room, please. Just give me a little room for messing up. <laughs> but the instructions is for you to give the room, not to plead for your room. Amen? So Jesus has called us to go through these drills. He has called us. He has a curriculum. He has something in mind. He has an end result that he's trying to instill in you. And sometimes during the practice and during the drills, we don't see that. In closing, Pastor Bishop. Remember, the purpose of practice is to make what seems to be a little thing important and a very high priority. Remember, the purpose of practice is to repetitively do something so you don't have to remember. It would be the norm or the common for an individual. God has called you. Will you answer? That's hard. And I must prepare you. Just a little word. But it's worth it. Sacrifice. And it takes a surrendered life. We cannot create a Christian walk that God has not called us to. We can't add things to the Christian walk that God didn't say. Amen? And first and foremost, in order to be successful in God's kingdom, we must stay in that posture of humility like we did when we first got saved. Remember? Remember, I'm a sinner, Lord. I'm not going to be saved unless you save me. I deserve hell and damnation, Lord. I deserve the punishment. The Bible is constantly reminding us, don't leave your first love. Get back to your first love. The way you came in is the way we need to stay. Postrated in our hearts. With a dependency on God. God, you're right and I'm wrong. God, I need you. For some of us, it's just acknowledging, okay, Lord, I do. I love again. I bless again. I keep doing what you've called me to do. I'll be the wife. Whether he be whether he be a husband back to you or not, I'll be the wife. Whether she be a wife to you, I'll be the husband. The call is for you to be. 
who God has called you to be in every point of your relationship. You cannot force another individual to be who God called them to be. The best way to do that is to be who God called you to be in front of them. God would always call you to live a certain way in front of people before before you try to get on them to be a certain way back towards you. The Bible is written to you first, not to them. Amen? And that concludes today's message. Thanks again for listening in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We're so glad you're able to tune in and be encouraged and empowered in your walk in following Jesus. If you would like to learn more about Restoration Church, please visit our website by going to r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.